It's 5 p.m. and welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, the Virgin Islands Police Department is investigating the murder of a man on St. Croix. We receive a response from the Director of Communications for the Brian Roach Administration, Richard Moda, on the next steps for the St. John land swap. We get a response from Senator Donna Fred Gregory on the veto from Governor Albert Bryant to legislation she sponsored. We get a response to Bill Number 35-0032, which would allow government employees to run for political office while actively employed. These are some of your headlines for today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. On St. Croix, the Virgin Islands Police Department is investigating the death of a 43-year-old man killed in the town of Frederickstead. Director of Communications for the Virgin Islands Police Department, Glenn Drake, has the details. On October 6th at around 11.04 p.m., 911 Emergency Call Center notified officers on reports of shots fired and later alerted that there was a male gunshot victim on a King Cross Street, Frederickstead. Upon officers' arrival on the scene, they found an adult male with multiple gunshot wounds about his body. The victim was transported to the Wang F. Louis Hospital via ambulance where he was pronounced dead by the emergency room physician. The victim was identified by next of kin as 43-year-old Elijah Abdullah Jackson. Investigation into the matter revealed that the victim was at a bar when he was approached by an assailant who shot him multiple times. The CIB Investigations Bureau is asking anyone with information on this homicide, you can call the CIB tip line at 340-778-4950 or Crime Stoppers VI at 1-800-22-TIPS or 911. We spoke with the father of the victim, Mr. Renhold Rookie Jackson, to tell us about his son. He was a, I should describe the young man. I, just my son, hardworking, love children, and you know, he really helped me in the program, the police electrically. He spent time the last summer, about 550 teenagers, trying to do meetings with them. Unfortunately, he's not here. You know, he have biologically five, but ten of them call him dad, you know, because um, he's like daddy to all of them. But he's not here now, but he's all right. Speaking on the investigation, Mr. Jackson said, There's nothing happened. It's not happening. Nothing happening for them. I still run the community. That's old folks. He just another child died. It's not going to happen. We live in a time where there is no concern about children, no old folks. So it's not like I tell you. This is what it is. You know, this is what it is. We live in an island in St. Croix. Dog better than we <laughs> A dog is better than us. He was a good boy. He helps a lot. What do you program? I did that. What do you call me? Destroy. <laughs> he was my right hand. And he's a great son. He's a great son. But we call him a soldier because he's down. We know war in Virginia, you know, in St. Croix. It's a war zone. So when, you, when you're in a war zone and you die as a soldier, we just bury you because you know what happened. We're in a system where it's just every man for his death and God for us all. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all I could say. As the community celebrated the Virgin Islands Puerto Rico Friendship Day weekend, the Virgin Islands Police Department was notified about a man who was shot after leaving the Friendship Day village. Communications Director for the department, Glenn Drake, provides us with the details. 
On October 9th at approximately 12.10 a.m., 911 Emergency Call Center received reports of shots fired near the Virgin Islands Puerto Rico Festival, which was held at the Randolph Schulterbrunn Agricultural Complex. Officers were notified that the victim was being transported to the hospital via a private vehicle. Upon officers' arrival at the hospital, they observed an adult male in the trauma room. He was being treated for a gunshot wound to his right hip. Preliminary investigations reveal that the victim was standing by his vehicle with his girlfriend and an infant child when they were approached by a black male who wore a red mask demanding their belongings at gunpoint. The victim was able to punch the male, causing him to fall to the ground. However, the perpetrator pointed a gun at the victim and fired a single shot, which struck him in the hip area. As the perpetrator was fleeing the area, he fired another shot at the victim. While officers were at the hospital, another male walked in with a gunshot wound to his foot area, and the male stated that he was struck by a bullet while walking to his vehicle, which was parked in the eastern parking lot at the agricultural complex. The victim sustained a gunshot wound to the leg that exited his heel. Investigations continue in this matter. And on Sunday, October 8, at about 4.48 p.m., the 911 Emergency Call Center reported the discharging of shots on Midland Road in the vicinity of Marvelous Auto Repair. Upon officers' arrival, contact was made with an adult male who stated that while driving in the vicinity of Bliss Nightclub, he began hearing gunshots. The victim stated he did not realize he was being shot at until he saw a black, heavily tinted Acura TSX beside him on the passenger side with an individual firing shots at him. He described the shooter as a black male with his body sticking out of the sunroof of the car and firing a handgun with a clip. The victim stated that he stopped and the perpetrator continued towards the Mumbiju light, still firing shots. The Criminal Investigation Bureau continues to investigate this matter. Anyone with information can call 911, the CIB tip line at 340-778-4950 or Crime Stoppers VI at 1-800-222-8477. As we update the news feed, members of the Senate Committee on Rules and Judiciary voted in late September to hold a bill that would have allowed government employees to run for political office while actively employed unless specifically prohibited by federal or other laws. The law as it is written now mandates that government employees must utilize annual leave or leave without pay. Some lawmakers were concerned that Bill Number 35-0032, proposed by Senator Maurice James and co-sponsored by Senator Donna Fred Gregory, would raise potential conflicts of interest, violations of agency regulations, and the misuse of taxpayer dollars. Speaking on the purpose of sponsoring the bill, Senator Maurice James said, In a democratic society, one of the fundamental principles is the idea that anyone with the desire and the qualifications can seek public office. However, certain barriers can limit this principle. And one, one such barrier is the restriction on government employees running for public office while actively employed. This bill provides the public with a wider range of choices beyond those who can afford to run. It is essential to advocate a policy that allows government employees to run for public office, subject to the determination of their supervisor regarding their ability to fulfill their government duties during their candidacy. Moreover, candidates should be required to take leave when the voting process begins and campaign exclusively during their personal time. 
Allowing government employees to run for political office ensures a more diverse pool of candidates. When public servants have the opportunity to step into the political arena, it leads to a wider representation of backgrounds, experiences, and perspectives enriching our democracy. Election Supervisor Caroline Fox testified in support of the bill and urged comprehensive electoral reform ahead of the 2024 elections. The election systems of the Virgin Islands reviewed Bill 35.0032 and support it with one amendment to Section 1B1. Instead of requiring the candidate to take leave beginning 1201, the first day of early voting, we recommend taking 60 days prior to any election. One of the main reasons for this amendment is early voting is not the beginning of the voting process. The absentee ballot process is. Chief Justice Reese Hodge requested the exclusion of the judicial branch employees from the bill, citing threats to the independence of the courts. Questions arose about the impact on other law and Justice Department employees. Division of Personnel Director Cindy Richardson supported the bill, believing it would promote competition and diversity in the electoral process. As amended, the Division of Personnel stands in full support of Bill Number 35-0032. I commend Senator James for her due diligence in including the Division of Personnel and the Office of Collective Bargaining in, this, in the discussions to strengthen this legislation. Both offices met with Senator James back in March of 2023 and offered some of the suggested changes seen in the amended version of this bill. Once the legislation is executed as intended, it will open the doors for competition and diversity for potential candidates who will not only be hampered by stringent leave restrictions that can impact their personal funds in pursuit of public office. The bill faced criticism for potentially allowing government resources to be used for political activities during work hours, and concerns were raised about managers' responsibilities in determining the impact of an employee's political candidacy on their work. Some senators suggested aligning with the provisions of the Hatch Act. The Hatch Act is a federal law passed in 1939 that limits certain political activities of federal employees, as well as some states, D.C., and local government employees who work in connection with federally funded programs. Ultimately, the committee voted to hold the bill for further amendments with unanimous support. We spoke with Ophelia Nemi Williams-Jackson, who ran for Senate in the past and as recent as the 2022 elections, into how the law as it is has affected her during her time seeking office while being a government employee. I commend um, Senator Maurice James for actually taking the necessary step to bring the bill forward because what the bill does as it is now it hinders individuals and it discriminates against individuals who are educators and who will have to go lwop leave without pay in order to serve the community in the legislature and that is not fair to the community no it's not fair to the individuals you know so now it's being held in committee and and i just feel that those individuals who have not been bringing the bill forward before need to let it go we need to make sure that the pool of individuals who are out there are very very knowledgeable of the system 
Not to say that those who are already in there are not, but we need to make sure that it's we, we have more individuals who are not discriminated against in any way to seek office in the legislature. Every time I've run for office, I had to go leave with OP. And that, that's a great dis, disadvantage to the community and, and myself. You know, so I, like I said, I commend her and I pray that the legislators will see it through and make sure that they do what is necessary so that individuals who are in education and who may fall in that category of not being able to use leave because they don't accrue annual leave to run for office. She continued to share. I use my entire saving to sustain my personal bills. And then I fundraise for my campaign. See, you can't use um, campaign funds for your own personal gain. So that is why I have not been able to run consecutively. Because though you want to serve the community, if your family is not stable, you can't serve the community well. So in other words, I cannot jeopardize my the foundation of my home in order to seek office. Speaking on language she thinks should be included in the bill, Ms. Williams-Jackson had this to say. I mean, for starters, I feel um, you shouldn't have to go and leave to, especially for the first leg, primary election. You shouldn't have to go and leave. And then if we want to say that individuals go and leave, then all of us should go and leave. Senators should take a break and everyone else who's running, just let it be fair. I I just believe in being fair. And (laughs) I heard a senator say, ah, well... If we allow people to work when they run, a lot of people are going to be going jail. You know, and, and that is, I guess, in that person's opinion, people will be using their resources at work. So if you're saying that as a senator, oh, maybe that's what you're doing. But I don't think um, that is fair. The person goes to work. The person has supervisors. Um, right now, we already have the law saying that you can't campaign on a job. And the law is there. You just enforce the law. You cannot campaign on the job. But once you're off the clock, you do what you need to do. There are a lot of things that you cannot do while you're on the clock. So it's up to individuals who are put in the capacity to supervise those employees, make sure that they supervise those employees, make sure that everyone is in compliance, as it should be for all the law. As we continue to update the WTJX news feed, Last Tuesday, Governor Albert Bryan vetoed Bill Number 35-0082, submitted by the 35th Legislature. The bill sought to limit the expulsion and suspension of students in pre-kindergarten through third grade. The bill added a section to make a course in mitigating behavioral issues and misconduct in the classrooms for school-based professionals a requirement. The initial sponsor of the bill was Senator Donna Fred Gregory. We reached out to the senator to get her reaction to the veto. When I saw the veto message, I was indeed perplexed perplexed by the governor's uh, comments because um, we did not put this legislation together in a vacuum. We actually worked with the Board of Education, with the uh, Department of Education. As a matter of fact, the Department of Education came before, the Commission of Education came before the Education Committee and with her team and they supported the measure they gave some input we made some adjustments based on their input but uh equally important 
and concerning rather is the fact that um a few years ago i think it was the 34th legislature last last term the governor sent down a version of behavioral health act which included the language already for for for, for professionals within the department of education to be trained so the information in bill number 35.0082 is not new it's just uh repeating what's already in law for teachers and personnel to be trained. So I'm not certain what uh, information the governor received. It is evident to me that him and his team is unaware of the laws that, that they have already signed and should have adopted and implemented. And of concern to me is, you know, when we work on legislation in, in the legislature and, and the legislation is voted up and sent to the governor and implemented, it should be implemented rather, and not um, and not sit on sit on the books for years, and this is evident that um, the behavioral health bill is not. There's no movement on that to date, so that concerns me. So we're gonna um, I'm gonna move for a an override with my colleagues. I did have a, a number of my colleagues that actually signed on to this measure before it was voted up and sent up to the governor. So I'm gonna work with my colleagues to have this overridden in, in times like these when we know the challenges that we're facing with our. Um, our young people in the Virgin Islands, it's important that we acknowledge the fact that we have to do everything in our power to ensure that this is future Virgin Islands and there's success for our children. And we have to start from a very young age. And the intent of this legislation is to do just that. You know, studies have shown that children who are, um, who are sitting in classrooms in, in their early ages, they do better and they become successful young adults. So that is all. This, that is the only intent of this particular legislation. So I'm looking forward to seeing it overridden and, in fact, truly implemented. So I'm urging the governor to really go back and look at the behavioral health bill and ensure that that bill, in fact, is implemented. As we continue to make our way down the WTJX news feed, on September 29th, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. signed into law the bill authorizing a land exchange agreement between the National Park Service and the government of the Virgin Islands. The agreement came after members of the 35th legislature approved the transfer of Whistling Key, located off the coast of St. John, to the Department of Interior on September 15th in exchange for a parcel located in Estate Catherineburg, St. John. The parcel was earmarked for the construction of a public K-12 school on the island. We asked Director of Communications Richard Moda what the next steps are now that the transfer has been complete. First, let me thank the nine members of the 35th legislature who supported the land exchange legislation. Uh, regarding the next steps, the government of the Virgin Islands is in the final stages of the design phase and expects to issue a request for proposal for the construction of the new Julius Eastbrook pre-K through 12 school to go out no later than the first quarter of 2024. And if all goes well for the construction of that school to begin before the end of that year. We asked if the funds to begin construction of the school had already been identified and secured. Yes, um, the Department of Education has already gotten a, a, an obligation from the Federal Emergency Management Agency for the construction of that school. On the heels of recent student and teacher demonstration regarding the state of current learning facilities on the island of St. Croix, as well as school constructions in both the St. Thomas and St. Croix district, we asked whether the department would be ready to add another project to their plate. Well, this this project, albeit a major one, it, it's not just the 
it's just not solely the Department of Education, right? This is a recovery project. And so you have um, other agencies involved. Um, the, the Office of Disaster Recovery is playing a major role in, in uh, overseeing the, the, this project uh, being the construction of the, the new Julia C. Sproul uh, pre-K through 12 school as it is a um, disaster recovery project. Before leaving, we inquired with Mr. Moda whether the administration had plans on intervening after requests came from lawmakers and members to do something about the board of the Virgin Islands Taxi Cab Commission. Our government house is, is working with the 35th legislature um, in, in I, I know there, there is legislation right now before the 35th legislature on revising um, that board or reconfiguring that board. And um, so um, not to get too far ahead of the process, but um, the, the administration and the legislature are working together to make improvements to the uh, Taxicab Commission. We'll keep you updated on any developments regarding the matter. As we update the news feed, the Virgin Islands Department of Education has issued a notice for parents and guardians of students at the John H. Woodson Junior High School on St. Croix that the school will temporarily operate virtually, adopting a full-day schedule from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. The issuing of devices to eligible students began today, and tomorrow, Wednesday, October 11th, will be the last day to pick up devices. 7th and 8th graders can pick up their devices and instructional packets from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. in the school's cafeteria. It's time now for the regional report. Early Saturday, October 7th, officers on the island of Tortola responded to a report of a submerged vehicle in the waterfront area of Rowtown, close to Queen Elizabeth II's park. Upon their arrival, they discovered a white Kia Soul fully submerged in the water. The body of an unresponsive male was found inside. The lone occupant was recovered from the vehicle and declared deceased. The body was identified as police detective Paul Franz. Franz was a UK national with nearly 40 years of experience in police forces, both in the UK and the British Virgin Islands. The police are asking anyone with relevant information regarding this incident to contact the Royal Virgin Islands Police Force Intelligence Unit at 284-368-9339. We're turning now to the territory's weather forecast. The National Weather Service predicts that on Wednesday, St. Croix residents can expect isolated showers, mostly sunny with a high near 89, winds between 9 to 13 miles per hour, and chances of precipitation at 10%. In the evening, scattered showers, mainly after midnight, Partly cloudy with a low around 77. Winds between 8 to 11 miles per hour and chances of precipitation at 40%. On Wednesday, St. Thomas residents can anticipate isolated showers, mostly sunny with a high near 89. Winds between 9 to 14 miles per hour and chances of precipitation at 20%. In the evening, scattered showers, mostly cloudy with a low around 79. Winds between 11 to 15 miles per hour and chances of precipitation at 40%. And on St. John, isolated showers, sunny with a high near 87. East winds between 8 to 14 miles per hour and chances of precipitation at 10%. In the evening, scattered showers, mainly after midnight, partly cloudy with a low around 76. East-northeast winds between 11 to 15 miles per hour and chances of precipitation at 40%. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app 
And if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you listen to podcasts.